Welcome, everybody, to another episode of After Further Review. Mark Ferreira, John Pelkey, our producer, Jeff Taylor. It is the 13th of January, 2021, 2021, and I think, John and Jeff, we can say, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I would say Alabama, that was that was by pretty much by every metric available to us, the best single-season college football team of all time. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, an argument can be made for that. The The article you sent me is pretty interesting. If you consider, you know, who they beat, who they had to beat through the playoffs, it's one of the good things about the playoffs uh, for all that we hate them is teams do end up actually playing highly ranked teams. So you don't have a Brigham Young situation the year that they went, you know, and they are the poster child for why, you know, people started arguing for a playoff. But uh, gosh, you know, <laughs> comparing errors, there are a couple of Nebraska teams uh, back in the 90s. Uh, particularly the one that I think beat Florida 52 to four or whatever in the hell it was. Uh, They're pretty good too. Some of those Miami teams I might like to see against that Alabama team, you know, with just littered with uh, players. But to your point, Mark, it's not, you're not, you didn't say the best team. You said the best season. And it's very hard to argue that that wasn't as dominant a season Uh Really only pushed a couple of times. I mean, Florida gave him was game in that SEC championship. But um, outside of that, I don't think there was a second half that they trailed in any game. Yeah, I think they only uh, there were only two games they played where the margin was less than 14 points. And one of them was the Florida game. I mean, the Gators should be, you know, should be pretty proud of themselves. Yeah, they, that how was far they pushed them. That was a pretty good performance by the Gators. If they hadn't thrown it away uh, probably their best game of the LSU. season yeah probably their I best mean, game of the season and and it and and it and it argued you know and the argument that it that it makes for Alabama is that little thing where you have to play perfect to beat them and they have to make mistakes and sadly Florida wasn't quite perfect and Alabama really didn't make uh terribly big mistakes in that game they just came up against a pretty creative offense and a good Kyle Trask performance but I, I I'm not going to argue with it I mean it's it's and it's 2020. I know it's 2021 now, but it's still 2020, Mark. So everything's chalk. So look, looking forward to that Kansas City Green Bay Super Bowl because bank on it, baby. Yeah. And well, certainly Kansas City winning the Super Bowl, I think, is uh, pretty clear. Jeff, yeah, your thoughts of uh, the all, all time single season performance well, by a football team? Yeah. You know, I'm a Miami Hurricane. So I feel like those teams when you know the coke was being handed out and uh, the money was flowing some of those teams would have an argument that they had great seasons as well but it's hard to argue they were they're a phenomenal team I feel like Notre Dame this season was the best Notre Dame team of all time and they made them look like children it was it was men against boys so that Alabama team was good and they scored when when Saban first got there. Evidently, his uh, uh, average points per game was around 30, 32. You remember, John, uh, I don't know, in 2012, when when all of the uh, run uh, the RPO stuff started coming online, it's like Saban was like, is this really where we want football to go? And, you know, <laughs> then, then he brings in Lane Kiffin. Then he brings in Brian. How, how do you pronounce the, the Buffalo offensive coordinator's name? Dayball. Dayball. I think it's Dayball. And, you know. Who, who is obviously a stud, you yeah. know, for Alabama and now for Buffalo Steve and, Sarkeesian. And, and, and Sarkeesian as well. And, you know, before you know it, they average more points this season yeah, by playing more SEC games than any other team had ever played in a single season before. Uh, they averaged more points than LSU last year and LSU, everyone was looking at that right. season as, as the greatest offensive output ever. And then of course, Alabama has their defense, and everything else. And, and I mean, it's such a good year that Mac Jones, Mac Jones actually has a, and everyone's talking about Joe Burrow having the best quarterback season of all time last year. Yeah. And now they're talking about Mac Jones, who, according to all the experts, is discernibly less athletic, discernible, less quarterback skills. Well, he's certainly less athletic, but it's hard to argue that he played, he didn't play as, have as good a season as Joe Burrow. Wasn't as flashy, but pretty damn good yeah it's it's an amazing it's not and, and to your point jeff they played notre dame who may have had may have been the best notre dame 
team of all time, certainly in certainly recent years. 88 since Tony Rice in that team. Yeah. Certainly in recent years. And an Ohio State team that was, you know, had taken easy care of, of uh, Clemson the week yeah. before and was undefeated. You know, they um, and, and again, they they played the most college football games of any team out there this year because they were lucky in terms of COVID. Mm-hmm. And then they and because of the new schedule, they played more SEC games op- opponents in yeah. a single season than anyone ever has ever. So, you know, the accolades just keep piling up. And, and you know me, John, I you know, the metrics I, I and I know Derek Abbott, who, who will join us on Friday, you know, isn't a huge fan of the analytics, but the the metric measurements of how good a team are, uh, you know, I'm kind of into, and it's pretty fun to see how they stack up to some of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah. I just, I, I think, you know, it, it is that great, uh, those great discussions about teams from any era, because those Miami teams at that time were pretty damn good. Um, you can certainly, and again, I'll go back to those nineties, Nebraska teams that Tom Osborne had. I mean, let's remember how good they were as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, sure, you can't, no doubt. You can't, you, 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 there's nothing, I don't like the dominance that we've seen from Alabama. I just find it boring as a college football fan, but I will, I won't take anything away from them. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. I, I don't think that's even debatable at this point. I don't think you can debate it. Um, I think there's more debate with Bill Belichick, the greatest of all time in the NFL than there is with Nick Saban uh, at Alabama, frankly. And there's um, not much there either. You know? Yeah, there's and there's very little there, there as well. But I do think that the discussion of of the uh, it, it's a deeper discussion in, in the NFL than it is in college football. And I think you know you brought up a really good point, Mark, with the with the COVID stuff. Yes, they got lucky that you know Ohio State, through no fault of their own, lost a bunch of games from teams, but that weren't buttoned up. But they were pretty buttoned up, Alabama, with the COVID yep. thing too. I mean, that is just it is a well run organization. Um, Nick Saban is probably the greatest of all time. And also the thing you brought, you know, you brought up Kiffin and Sarkeesian. These are guys that other people wouldn't touch. Particularly, I mean, Lane Kiffin, the the idea that Lane Kiffin would end up with anything other than a, you know, football championship series team prior to getting that Alabama offensive coordinator job was unthinkable. He was, he was toxic and Sarkeesian, you know, the stories, and certainly he's a great redemptive story with the drinking problem that he overcame. But uh, you know, Nick Saban is like, I look, these guys are great football minds. Let's give them an opportunity. And they took the opportunity and ran with it. Now, you know, be careful what you wish for Sark, because those folks down in Austin, I think have unrealistic expectations. Uh, we, we, We shall see. We shall see because uh, he deserves an awful lot of credit for Mac Jones, an awful lot of credit for how well that kid played. No, it's 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 pretty fun. And yeah. apparently they also produced three of the top five vote getters for the Heisman, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's also something. The, the fact that that offense was by, by definition the best offense of any era of any team ever for a single season says a lot when, you know, you consider Saban's a defensive guy. It's pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, and, 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 you know, you see, that's funny because the discussion about the coaching in the NFL and there's, you know, there are now more jobs open. We, we broke the story on our show about Doug Peterson. Um, the, the discussion about coaches uh, and when it comes to defensive minded coaches, I guess one of the biggest questions that these guys are getting when they're interviewing for jobs is who do you have in mind for offensive coordinator? Because the way the game is played now with all of those RPOs that have now leaked upward, um, trickled up to the NFL, uh, you have to be creative on offense. The era of the, uh, you know, we're going to line up and do what we do and you're going to have to stop us stuff. That's really coming to an end. That's sort of what Pittsburgh was trying with that offense. You know, it's interesting, too, because every metric you go down, it's really fun. There's the there's also the comparison of Heisman Trophy winning championship game performances. So they go back in time with that kind of stuff. You know, you go back to Matt Leinert's performance, you know, against Oklahoma. Very good. O.J. Simpson's, obviously, uh, Dorsett with Pitt. Well, uh, Charles White, USC, Joe Burrow last year. Vince Young, that's the uh, one. Yes, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but I'm telling you, Devonta Smith, 12, catch, 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns. 
And he didn't, he got, he got injured and ended the game. He, I mean, he, he was out for a substantial amount of time and did that. Yeah, no, he put on a show that in my mind rivaled because the best that I've ever seen in a game was that Vince Young performance. And sure. that amazing. I mean, that was just maybe as good a college football game, given the stakes as you will ever have an opportunity to see. Um, and I, in my mind, obviously quarterbacks have the ball in their hands, every offensive play. So there's a lot more opportunity yeah. to make a splash, but he was as dominant an offensive player who wasn't a quarterback as I have seen in, in a championship game ever. He is virtually unstoppable. And when you think about the fact that Ohio state gets as good a defensive backs as anybody in the country, I mean, there are Ohio state DBs all over the NFL and that they, they had no answer for him. They couldn't get any pressure either. There were a little quite, there are, I think there, there are some valid questions about Ohio state's game plan. Um, I also think that that emotional win that they had and the way they played in that semifinal game, I, I think when we've seen this before, and if this is not, I don't think this is um, a, uh, uh, anything to, 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 to pile on a team with negativity, but emotional game like that, huge game for them. Um, I think they came out a little bit flat um, and they, they turned it around and they started to make a run on Alabama, but it just, it didn't matter. They could never capture momentum and hang on to it because they had that great drive to tie it at 14, I believe. And at that point it was like, okay, well, wait a minute. You know, they're getting their sea legs now. And what they score in like 49 seconds after that or some ridiculous. Well, it's, it's interesting too. We talked about Justin, what Justin Fields was going to show up. And we talked about what had happened the previous game in the semis. And you're right, John, I think they did come out flat. And part of that was Trey Sermon, their running back who had about 150 yards. One carry. Yeah. Against the, against, you know, the Tigers. And that, as we talk about, that's pretty obvious football one-on-one that does wonders for your passing game. Oh yeah. And and for the ability for fields to have a little time and he's out after the first play. Yeah. Ah, Boy, that's just, it it was, it's Alabama. It was Alabama. They were a better team than everybody in the country. I don't think, I think you could look at a couple of the other championship runs where you could say, well, you know, team came out a little flat in in, in the semifinal. Maybe they, they may have been a better team, but they were outplayed in that game. Alabama yeah. was better than everyone and outplayed everyone with the exception of large stretches of that game versus Florida, where the Gators were actually outplaying them a little bit. But again, it just, it's the, the depth, the, uh, the how well coached they yeah. are. They just don't make mistakes. No, um, they don't. It's really and even, and, and they don't allow those mistakes to, com- to, to, uh, to compound, you know, if they have a turnover, it, it just it's not like other teams where it just the other team gets a turnover, picks up momentum and just carries it through. They, they don't. And they they are the the definition of, um, you know, the Belichick thing. We're on to Cincinnati. But it's for them. It's like, OK, that last drive is over. We're on to the next drive. We don't we don't have a long memory about the things that we've done, uh, the mistakes that we have made minimal as they are. And of course, you know, the wise guys yet again know exactly what's happening. The over-under was 75. They scored 76. Unbelievable. I know, and it looked like it was going to be like 90 there for a bit. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, they're really good at what nuts. they do. It really is nuts. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. All right, let's go to some progressive trivia. It is a Mark Ferreira-hosted show. Therefore, progressive trivia comes along and is given to our yearning public. Yeah, everybody's screaming for trivia. They win nothing if they get it right. That's that's, that's the the nation turns its lonely eyes to progressive trivia. Yeah, you win the thanks of a grateful nation. Ten-time Pro Bowler. 175-plus all-purpose yards in his final bowl game. Played in 10-plus playoff games, at least one Super Bowl. Played for five head coaches in his first five years. One head coach in his next five years. I have a guess. I'm going to text it to you. Yeah. This is an old one, so you may have remembered it from the past. I just dusted this off just a bit. I'm awaiting John Pelkey's uh, response. I may have spelled that incorrectly. But. I, 
I, I want to pat myself on the back a little bit here. Joe Connolly reached out to me with his prediction of that uh, Alabama Ohio State game. Me, right before me it started too. Out. Me too. And I responded that Alabama was going to win forty-five to twenty-eight, which for a uh, for just a regular old guy, not a bad. Uh, Pretty player. good call. Pretty good call. 73, 73 uh, points there, Jeff. And, uh, you know, winning by 17 points or whatever that was, 45, 20, 28 or whatever uh, you said. Yeah, pretty solid for a regular old guy, for a non-wise guy. Although you're not really a regular old guy. You won, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in DraftKings one time. So it's not it's not as if you don't spend some time. I pay attention to sports. I pay attention to sports. Yes. All right, but, so, even, but even the people who do outside of the wise guys, most of us are wrong as often as we're right. Let's be honest. It's, you know, if you're trying to make a living betting on sports, best of luck I, to you. I will say this. Rod, Rod I, Woodson is not correct. I am, that wasn't who, that wasn't who, uh, it's, it, that wasn't my guess. <clears throat> it was Charles Woodson. Not Rod Woodson? No, why would I guess Rod Woodson? I don't think Purdue was like a He powerhouse. returned kicks. He could have he did. had 175-plus yep. all I thought Charles points. Woodson. Um, I, uh, I was going to say that uh, typically I'm far more successful in predictions that I pulled directly out of my ass than I am ones that I put a lot of consideration in, and that is exactly what that was. Oh, yeah. I literally wrote down some numbers. I could, no, I completely agree. When, when Mark and I had the radio show and we were doing a lot more picks, it was like, you know, my best picks were, oh, it's 30 seconds before we go on the air and I need to make picks. If I have too much time to think about it, no, I'm done. I'm just done. It's not it's Charles not, Woodson, Mark? It's not, no. Okay. All right. It's not Rod Woodson or W.T. Woodson it's no, High School. It's no Woodson. It's no Daryl Woodson either. Stanley Woodson? Darren Woodson. It's not Darren Woodson. It's He was the DB for the uh, Cowboys, correct? Darren? Uh, not yeah, Daryl. Darren. Yeah, I, know, I don't know who Daryl Woodson is. Darren Woodson, yes, was the... Uh, He's my cousin. Great guy. Great guy. Not much of a football player, but great guy. Daryl Woodson. In his final bowl game, he did not... Daryl Woodson did not perform. It's just, you know, it's a black mark on him, really, to be quite frank. All right. I think this is kind of a fun uh, parlor game. And you had mentioned, John, that four out of six of the road teams won. Four out of six home teams lost in the wildcard round, which, by the way, was watched, set set all kinds of records, set all kinds of uh, viewing records yeah. uh, for the National Football League that wildcard weekend. So, yes, it's 2020. Yes, we're hungry for football. We can't go out in some places, places we can't go anywhere. So that that's also that's true. That's true. That's true. We're 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 yeah. You know, we we're quarantined in our homes, right? But uh, or at least most of us. Uh, but I think the seventh playoff team is probably a major winner. You know, where it's everyone playing that weekend, with the exception of just one team in each conference. That's yeah. pretty fun, actually. A lot yeah, of fun. And boy, I tell you, and for the regular season, they're talking about adding a 17th game. Apparently, that is the motion that is in motion and may very well help in for the next season. But it really does uh, um, uh, elevate those regular season games because getting that by now is, you know, that is going to be a battle. So yeah. not surprised, not surprised, too, because we had just fun matchups across the board. And uh, it was a great weekend of football. I hope they, I hope they stay with the extra playoff teams and. Let's 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 keep this going. I'm sure they will at this point in time. I mean, I think that's probably all the money. Remember, it wasn't just COVID. This was decided prior to COVID. Actually, during COVID, they were thinking of adding an eighth team. But this was decided. The seventh the seventh playoff team was decided before all the COVID stuff. So uh, okay. it's it's going to stick around, and it's right. it worked. It was a winner, and uh, congratulations yeah. to the National Football League for yet again making another billion dollar decision well done yeah well roger goodell needs another solid gold house with kitten fur sinks so here we go and he he earned it he earned it this year <laughs> the one year that he probably did actually yes. earn his money yes. as he we earned about his kitten fur sink <laughs> this year congratulations rg as we like to call him in the biz all right we called him that <laughs> so we've got the rams at green bay We've got the Bucks at the Saints. We've got the Ravens at the Bills, and we've got the Browns at the Chiefs. Um, you had mentioned the Bills defense, probably Bills and Bucks defense, probably the shakiest defenses um, sure. of the remaining eight teams. 
what what games do you think where the home team is most vulnerable, Johnny? And I'll throw it out to you, Jeff, as well. I think it's definitely um, in this order. Uh, well, it's and it's almost it's almost a tie, but I'll put it in this order: um, Buffalo and New Orleans. I, again, we I talk, agree. And then backwards, we'll go New Orleans first. You know, it's again, that's a Buccaneers team that that offense has been a work in progress and I think is hitting its stride at exactly the right time. Um, Those teams know each other very well. And as we saw with divisional games, Seattle and Los Angeles, that that that's always up Pittsburgh and Cleveland as well. Uh, that's that's always a bugaboo. Most coaches will tell you I'd prefer not to play a divisional opponent in the playoffs. Somebody who knows us particularly well. Um and then for uh, for the Buffalo game, and I, I love the Bills, and I'm, you know, I'm leaning towards picking them in this game, but their defense is not a, um, it's not a top NFL defense. I mean, it, it's, it's decent, but Lamar's now won his playoff game. That offense is, because of him, is a nightmare for anyone. Um, so I think that I think that's going to be I would say that's probably the most likely upset. I don't think the, the Rams have enough offensively. Now they're going to start Wolford. Um, and we don't really know because he he looked pretty damn good until he got his injury. Um, and that defense will keep the scoring down even against Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think they have enough offensively. And um, I think. You know, I love the Cleveland story. I think Kevin Stefanski needs gets a lot of credit. I'm very happy for Baker Mayfield, who I think takes a lot of uh, un, untoward criticism because he wears his hat backwards. And and God love him for uh, for uh, kind of poking Colin Cowherd about that. Um, but I just and, and, and Cowherd retweeting it, so that's good. Too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, he, he all that, in good fun. That was all. Yeah, that was all in good fun. Um, but I just think you know. It's Kansas City. <laughs> and I'd say that no matter what, even if it were Baltimore. And again, because of Lamar, they're probably a little more, they're more dangerous offensively than um, than Cleveland. But uh, Cleveland can run the football. I just, you know, Kansas City, it's a Kansas City year. I, I don't see anyone upsetting them. I don't either. I don't either. I see them going all the way. I see Green Bay having a relatively easy time against yeah. the uh, Los Angeles Rams. The very game. Los Angeles Rams, we should add, uh, but they're just, defense. they're just not. Yeah, but they're, they're not even at full strength there. So it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see. And but yes, I think that uh, Tom Brady, you're right, and that offense have figured it out. They, I think he's thrown for 26, 2700 yards since they lost to the Saints last, mm-hmm. which is I think uh, eight eight games. 22 touchdowns, I think, in eight games. So he's averaging about three touchdowns a game. So he's on a, you know, he's averaging a set, essentially 44 touchdowns for the season uh, in that eight games. And you got to remember also Antonio Brown, that was his first game back yeah. against the Saints. He is he has been fully integrated into that offense now. Yeah. So we'll see. Um Lattimore, Marcus Lattimore. Uh, great DB seems to usually have his way against Mike Evans seems to know exactly where he's going in at, at any given time, but because Antonio <laughs> Brown is now fully integrated and obviously, you, you know, you, you've got Godson too. You've, you know, and Gronkowski, don't forget, big don't forget stage, him. playoff game. Could you, 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 would it surprise you if Gronk has a big game? Wouldn't surprise at, me. At this, at this point in the Buccaneers year, it's arguable that Mike Evans isn't the best receiver on that team. And it's not even Antonio Brown. Chris Godwin is a legitimately good wide out. He is yeah, a guy no, he is. that's got the build, the height, and uh, he he sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was maybe because of the fact that he was playing on those teams that were putting up huge numbers and not really mm-hmm. winning anything, but he you watch him play, he looks like one of those guys that And maybe uh, and maybe you know, maybe it's just one of those things some quarterbacks uh connect better with wide receiver. Maybe Brady, you know, just th- this is a guy that that kind of works for for Brady and now he goes through his progressions. But you're right, Jeff. I mean, it it is an embarrassment of riches offensively for that team. Uh the question is, can the great Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and that you know, can they keep Brady off the field? Um, and can they uh, can they play them in, in a shootout? That's it's a real it's the only game I'm going to get to see all of, I believe, because mm-hmm. I have a I have a I have an NBA game on Saturday. So I'm going to I'm either going to be in trance or doing that game Saturday. And then I have to go for a covid test. So the only one I get to see, I believe, is uh, from beginning to end, not recorded 
is um, is that game between New Orleans and Tampa Bay. And it, boy, but it is a pick em. I don't want to make that pick. If they if they pressure Brady and they keep him on his toes the whole time, New Orleans can win. If they can't pull that off, it's going it's going to be an embarrassing game for them. And let's remember Washington gave them a game without really getting a lot of pressure, which was surprising and and I think we expected uh, but the Washington football team, you know, gave them gave them a bit of a game. So that that defense is suspect as well. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Lenny's going with all the favorites. By the way, New Orleans, Buffalo, Green Bay, and Kansas City. It's probably the, it's probably the smart way to go. I I don't think you would be a fool to take all of the underdogs either going into this weekend. <laughs> I, I know the Kansas City Chiefs seem to be the team. You know what though? Honestly, that's the one where you go. That's the game that that screams of upset because they're the team coming off. It's hard to win two in a row. Mm. Cleveland has some form of angel on their shoulder right now. (laughs) That's the one I look at and go, that's the upset that I feel like is most likely to happen. But I wonder if Cleveland's a little bit like Ohio state and that, that just that emotional victory over the division rival. And it's like a rival and, 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 and you're going to Kansas city. We're going to see, we're going to see. I mean, they, that, that would be a fun upset to watch. Yeah. And for the time, in my mind, Baltimore would have been, uh, I would say if it, I, I, I would give Baltimore a little more chance against them than I do with Cleveland, but you know, we'll see. It's pretty, pretty stout Cleveland defense at times, but you know, it's Patrick Mahomes guys. And, and the, the rushing game, I mean, they're going to keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field, which could be a big thing. I mean, if you, if you can keep him from scoring 42 points, then, then you, you fare well. Yeah. The, the Mark, that's a good point. The Kansas city rush defense may be the deciding factor in the, in the football game. I mean, it could be, and it could keep the game close. I agree with that. And uh, I think, you know, heading into the fourth quarter, it could be very tight. Maybe even midway through the fourth quarter, it could be very tight. But in the end, Patrick Mahomes is really a football magician. He is able, he is as clutch as we've seen anyone outside of Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson certainly had some issues late in the year. But I, I just don't see anyone anyone beating him. They lost twice this year. One of them was a garbage game at the end of the season. The other one was a three-point loss to a division rival. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Anytime you can run, anytime you can keep, I mean, the best defense, the best defense for the Kansas City Chiefs is to keep, is a good offense to keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. And that's what you do. Uh, Cameron Brait, I think Brait is his name. The other tight end for the Bucs. Had a nice game against yep. the uh, yep. football team. He was and, a guy. He was and a guy someone that who was, was under. You know, that's someone who can be sneaky and can can cause some damage. They were talking about moving on from him in yep. the beginning of this season, and I thought to myself, that is absolutely crazy. He's a Gronk esque guy. Yep. He can catch passes. He can block. He's big. He's they they have a lot of weapons. That yep. Kansas City Tampa Bay might be the most fun. Super Bowl we've seen in a very long time. It would be a shootout. It'd be fun to watch. It might be, but so would Green Bay and Kansas City. That would be. It's true. There's just no shine on Green Bay. They are so boring. They're a boring team. They're they're highly efficient, and Devontae Adams is out of his head, and 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 Aaron Rodgers could be having his best season. Could be having his best season ever. That's the thing, Johnny and and Jeff. We all know the kind of year Aaron Rodgers has. He's he's had an MVP year. He more than likely will be the MVP. But how do you not give a lot of love to a running back who had over 2,000 yards? We've devalued running backs. How I know, but how it's still 2,000. It's still, I know, yeah, I know. It's still like a 56 game hitting streak. Not quite that, but almost. You know, it's like 49 game hitting streak. I think, I I think it's because. Nobody remembers there's a football team in Tennessee. It seems like nobody gave them any love ever. Right. So if they would have won, if they would have beaten Baltimore, Derrick Henry would have had a better chance at the MVP because it was still front of mind for voters, even though supposedly they've already voted. (laughs) Uh, Derek Abbott with his, uh, I love this, uh, Mahomes is Thanos. He is inevitable. And I kind I just sort of feel, I feel that way too. And again, what we've talked about, and maybe this will be the the exception that proves the rule, but this year, the best teams throughout the season have won the championships. Yeah. In almost every sport. <laughs> well, in, in every sport. In, really. in hockey, basketball, and baseball. Yeah. And in and college, college football. football. 
Yeah. Yeah. So four to four. Four to four so far. It's I think it's inevitable. Take As take Kansas I. City in the points. I don't As even know do who I. they're playing at this point. Uh I think you're I'll right about the, the Bills. Field. The Bills is the Bills is run defense. That's the other issue there because uh Baltimore's pretty clever with their schemes. And uh they've got a very, very good, fun, interesting run game. And that's the thing. If if Buffalo if Buffalo can't contain Baltimore's run, then they're, you know, it's gonna be, be trouble. It's gonna be perhaps some trouble. So but Lenny picks all the favorites. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Those are the two I would guess though that have the most uh worrisome chance in terms of a home team defending them. And you think Kansas City is number one in that, Jeff, or do you think we should just include them as a team that should worry uh, about defending their home turf? Or do you think uh, they're do you think that's the most likely home team upset? Uh, no, I think the Baltimore beating the Bills is the most likely home team upset. I'm just saying that if the football gods are in effect, Cleveland beating Kansas City is that that that's the one that everybody will love to see outside of Kansas City. Everybody will celebrate. Cle- Cleveland will be the favorite team going forward in the country if they knock off Kansas City. It'll be a fun thing to see. It's true. But uh, I'm going to go on record right now. I'm, I'm taking Cleveland to beat Kansas City. Okay, I'll take that bet. Uh Without, by the way, my buddy Steve, my buddy Steve Character weighing in. Yes, indeed. What you were, what you were saying is that would be great for the show. If, if, if you could make that happen, we would love to talk to him. Uh, He's not going to like me very much, though. Uh, he, nah, he, he'll, he'll be great. Um, uh, it, I, you know, I, again, I, I, I do think, uh, you know, Buffalo a little bit, um, a little bit unlucky with the teams moving forward for Buffalo because, again, you're either going to run into Patrick Mahomes. Or a Cleveland team that, again, can run the football and keep Josh Allen off the field. And you've got in Baltimore a team whose offense with Lamar is uh, is a tough one to stop. I tell you, the AFC, guys, the AFC, it's just it, it, it looking forward. It looks like for a decade, you know, we had that NFC dominance for many, many years. Looking forward, the teams in the AFC with great young quarterbacks, smart coaching, it, it's. It really, really does look like the AFC is going to be dominant over the next decade or so. And then if you get Trevor Lawrence, with great quarterback matchups, right? You know, if that's you get great. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville and, you know, depending on who, you know, is uh, because I, I, I do believe that um, uh, the Ohio State quarterback, whose name just slipped out of my head there, uh, Justin, Fields. Justin Fields, I think he, he will be a good pro. I think it'll take a little bit longer, but I think he has shown a lot of they're going to go to AFC teams as well. So you just may have a, an embarrassment of quarterback talent in the AFC. Yeah. And then you have a team like the Rams, which would kill for a top 15 quarterback, because I think we're all agreeing Jared Goff. We're he's, he's on a bit of a razor's edge now as to where his career can go. Uh, I just think he's obviously a guy not, he's not playing with a ton of confidence. It's, uh, it's, uh, unfair because of the thumb injury, I think, to really look at that last game, which they did end up winning. Um, it's unfair to, to look at that, but I think the, the Los Angeles Rams are a team that would kill for, you know, about any, a, a top, top 50% quarterback for them right now. You know, and- I, I, I look at the Rams and the Washington football team and I'm saying to myself, all you guys need to do is look at those Ravens teams of the late nineties, early two thousands, where they could throw anybody in at quarterback. And that defense was so good that Joe Flacco could win a Super Bowl, And that's, that's where the Rams and the DC team need to be. So and yes, uh, Steve, Derrick, the Wally absolutely. Pip of the NFL. Absolutely. There is no doubt about that. If we could get a Green Bay, Kansas City preview, it yeah. would be phenomenal. Uh, Jeff, the only thing I would add, add to that is that the game is a lot different than it was in the early 2000s. And, and Nick Saban spoke to this as well, and I think it applies to the NFL. And that is it used to be good defenses could stop good offenses. And that's just simply not the case anymore. Offenses have lapped them and have continued to lap them despite all of the efforts to uh, adjust to what's happening. Um, I don't know if a great defense can win you that anymore, Jeff. I I think you also need a great quarterback. This is the argument that I have against Nick Saban is that he is the best 
college football coach in the targeting and you can't hit the quarterback era. Yeah. <laughs> and and any, anytime you go anywhere within five yards of a wide receiver, it's pass interference. Again, yeah, all the rules favor favor the offense, and and the defenses have yet to catch up. I do and think I just thought that was interesting from a from a major major defensive mind that says, well, it, it, and that's but we've talked about that before. That is cyclical. There are times when the defenses catch up, and and you know, and eventually you're going to get some young defensive coordinators coming out of college that have faced nothing but these running quarterbacks and RPOs, and they're going to figure out ways to shut it down, and it's going to change a little. I, where I where I think you're, uh, Jeff could be right uh, a, a little bit on this, because I do think you need solid quarterback play, and Trent Dilfer did not turn the ball over with that with that offense. They were not right. an explosive offense, clearly. I think they went four games without scoring in a row, won no, every I, game. I think it was six. Was it six games without scoring? I think it was a six without scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Nuts. But you, but what you have to also be able to do is, if you can run the football and you and you have a stout Los Angeles like defense, and then you have a uh, either a, a duo at running back or you have a feature back that can keep the other offense off the field a little bit, then I think you have a chance. But I do think with these wide open spread offenses that have your linebackers and your defensive ends running around a lot more. If you're if you're not limiting their offensive possessions, you're in trouble. You just are. You can't they, they, give. They just create all these all, all these matchup nightmares. Yeah. Right. The and you have quarterbacks and, who can who, who can play off schedule and buy you. You know, the yes. greatest defensive backs in the world cannot cover mediocre wide receivers for six, seven, eight seconds. They just can't. And 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 Derek just keeps pointing out. You know, when you put a linebacker on an elite wide receiver. <sighs> Just not going to tough Borland that that tough Borland the you know the, the hard working heart of the Ohio State defense watching him it man it looked like me trying to chase somebody down poor guy I think he developed a limp midway through the play because he pulled a pulled a muscle but yeah it's the matchup problems with these offenses now the defenses it's it it'll take some time to catch up. Speaking of great quarterbacks, there's a lot a lot of uh, fun parlor games being bandied about regarding Deshaun Watson. I personally don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think it's just a lot of fun and games and that's what people do. And the, the media is more than happy to, you know, enable that and be complicit in that. And it, it's fun. It's fun. You have a pro bowl level exactly. going to another team in off yeah. season. That's huge. It's, it, it's fun to talk about. There's no, no harm, no foul. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, in Deshaun Watson's case, Oh, 25 other teams would be interested in him on some level. So you've got most of the NFL fan base going, Whoa, Whoa, that's a story. Hey, how about my, team yeah and i'm one of them i know right. our, our friend roland uh, uh roland uh clancy is that his last name i don't know who, who moved away about. our friend roland who moved away to north carolina oh randy claim check uh he's very you know he was interested in the, in all the miami dolphin talk uh there is some stuff about the 49ers which would uh, you know I would, as much as I like Jimmy Garoppolo and as much as the organization I think likes him and is behind him, they would do that in a heartbeat, obviously. Most teams would do it in a heartbeat. I'd like to put up my hand for the Washington football team if Deshaun Watson is available, but by all means, look into that. So if you get Deshaun, what if they wanted Chase Young for Deshaun Watson? No, absolutely not. Draft choices, though, I agree with Colin Coward on this. Yeah. Draft choices, as, as good as they look, um, there, there are no guarantees. Chase Young is a guarantee of a all pro long career barring injury player. You don't you don't trade that. You don't you don't make that trade. Right. And he goes beyond the on field. The when he's on the yeah. sideline, he's a great huge leader. Star. He's, a, yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the real deal. He's yeah. the real deal. I mean, it's like having a Reggie White. And I know, you know, obviously you make those comparisons. You would, we'll see down the line. But he's like having that type of guy. He changes the sure. culture. And he got those other first-round draft choices because it's all first-round draft choices on that defensive line for Washington. Nice job drafting there uh, and picking up some guys also out on the market. But um, he elevated their play. He elevated everyone's play. And if they had had a mediocre offense, then that team would have probably won 10 games and – 
it wouldn't have been as so surprising what we saw them do with Tampa Bay in the playoff game. Yeah, the future's it, bright, but if you can get Deshaun it, Watson, don't it, trade him. It, yeah, don't trade him. It's it's we've talked about this and before. Snyder, there him. are great players, and then there are players who make the team around them great. Yep. And if you're both, then you're an all-timer. That to me, what Dan Marino didn't have, to tell you the truth. Roland Dan Clinton. Marino was a great player, but he didn't necessarily make the players uh-huh. around him great. And that's perfect timing because uh, Roland Clancy's uh, uh, better half is, is saying he says hello, and he's gonna he's gonna be crawling the walls to attack you you with the Dan Marino doesn't have the will to win. <laughs> Did no, he make- I. I make the others around him great. I mean, I think there's I don't, a decent amount of evidence to support that. I, I don't. I don't know that I necessarily. I, I think there were a lot of problems down there. I think uh, you know, and we we're going to get off on the 1980s Miami Dolphins at this that's point. The, that's the late. That's one of the later references we'll make. <laughs> it, it really is because I'd like to talk about the Canton Bulldogs, frankly, and uh, you know how they would fare. But uh, I, I think there were some other issues going on down there. I think uh, maybe Don Shula was a little overly loyal. And I don't, and they didn't draft well. You I know, think uh, God hated them. I mean, they finally get a running back, and he starts selling crack up in Gainesville. I mean, come on, what can um, what? First of all, oh, let's let's do this. That was a Florida State running back, so selling crack up in Tallahassee. Was he in Tall- I feel like though he may have been from Sammy the Smith. Gainesville area, and that's where he was selling the crack. I know yeah. he was a Florida State. Running know, he, back. Was a, he was he was he was a Seminole, so you know it's no surprise. A pop goes on. A Popka zone. Is that Sammy Smith from Popka? Because I that's where. Uh, oh, yeah. maybe he was in a yeah. Popka selling crack. Wherever he was selling crack, though, not a good sign for the Miami Dolphins. Well, what's the uh, what's the markup on crack? I know for uh, it's probably it's probably you know if you're if you're just talking from a pure business standpoint, you'd probably want to go with. Powder it's a good milk. business. I mean, not that I'm suggesting that anyone sell. What's <laughs> interesting about crack is that you could sell. Oh, I don't know. Uh, a fifth of a, of a gram and get 40 years in prison. And if you deal 10 grams of actual powder cocaine, you get a slap on the wrist. I'm not sure what the difference is with the penalties there. I'm not I sure think, why. Well, sure yeah, why there's true. such a disparity in that. John, and was them, can would, I you, this would you like to chime in on that? Yeah, they're, they're, some people are too tan. Uh, it, it, uh, was Sammy Smith that great though? I mean, he had all the earmarks of being a guy who could play well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it fell apart too quickly. We'll but, uh, never know. We will. Yeah, never we never. Know. We never will. I still don't understand why Curtis Dickey from Texas A and M isn't the greatest running back in the history of the National Football League. He was he was two hundred and thirty pounds and a an Olympic sprinter. I guess he just didn't love the game. I don't know. And do you think anyone's paying attention now that we've gone off on this? Mark this, isn't. This stage, <laughs> no, Mark's I'm, not I'm even paying. Up, well, the I'm, looking up, there. I'm looking up Sammy Smith, and he had uh, his first year. 200 rushes for 659 yards, averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Second year, 226, 831, averaged 3.7 yards per carry. I never thought of him as a as a great or emerging great running back, and I'm not sure when the crack selling started. But he, uh, he, he was, he, I mean, he was a talent. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, they had guys who had, had good. They had Bobby Humphrey. They had guys who went through there. Uh, they just couldn't put it together. All I'm picturing now is Dan Marino looking down and uh, <laughs> Dan Marino looking Some down. Deserve to be on screen. I know. Definitely. I know. My buddy Steve. Uh, uh, Dan Marino turned around and went, wait a minute, we gave we gave him the football 200 times? Well, that's not happening again. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. There should have been 100 of those. Should have been me throwing. Jimmy Johnson should have gotten in there and immediately and immediately done a Herschel Walker with Dan Marino. Would have changed changed everything in Miami. They would have won. They probably would have won a Super Bowl. That's just what I'm saying. All right. Fair he was, you know, but he couldn't do it. It was too, it, he would have been hanged in effigy and not just, a, you know, a dummy of him. Jimmy Johnson would have been hanged. They just showed up in Isla Mirada and just dragged him off his boat. And <laughs> yeah, hang him. You're probably if right. There was, honestly, though, if there was one guy in Miami that could have done it, it you was might Jimmy be right. Johnson. Yeah, he probably could have gotten away. Schnellenberger, too, if he decided to go and take that job. I think those two guys down there were pretty much uh, untouchable. Demigod, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, but uh, all right. So in, in got- conclusion... In conclusion, Deshaun Watson does it go anywhere? Does it go anywhere, Johnny? Um, I mean, I think there, I think there is a chance. Again, I, you have to take a grain of salt. Um, he is very unhappy with what's happened down there, and the 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 mess that their front office is. This isn't a 
two-week-old story. I mean, this goes back. I mean, we look at Bill O'Brien gets a, a lot of heat. And uh, by the way, um, just about to become the uh, defensive coordinator for, I think, Alabama, isn't it? Or offensive coordinator offensive, for Alabama. Offensive coordinator, offensive baby. coordinator for Alabama. Um, he gets a lot of uh, grief for the uh, for the moves that they made. But the front off uh, the front office and the ownership also signed off on getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins and stuff. So there are things going on down there that if you're a young, great talent like Deshaun Watson, bright guy, uh, just a, uh, a stellar member of the community, he is a guy who is beloved there, yeah. and you're willing to come out and be as vocal as you are about it. Uh, there are some problems going on down there. And are there, are there any easy fixes? Did they bring in Eric B and, 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 uh, well, they didn't even interview him. If uh, they did, they, they wouldn't be having this problem right now. And I'll say this, Mark, the only reason why I think you may be right that he doesn't go anywhere is because they still think they can sell him at top value when he's clearly out there making it where the, the team is not at a, in a good bargaining position. Yeah. Yeah, because they know he wants out. I don't think the so, Miami thing will happen, though. There's some. Uh, by the way, just to, uh, just a button on this a little bit, Mark. They, I don't know if you did read. They, did they hire a head coach? They have I, no. They haven't. Um, uh, the Miami situation. So that's what I mean. Bring 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 Eric Bieniemy in and hire him, even though you haven't. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be a quick fix for Deshaun Watson? Uh, yeah, apparently for him to say okay. Derek Abbott uh, say they have requested to interview Eric Bieniemy now, so perhaps there, yeah, maybe that that thinking is on board. I will say this about the Miami thing, though, Mark. Uh, Miami Herald had a story today, I believe, in Miami Herald uh, story about uh, the fact that you know they've named, uh, the, I guess, the general manager named Tua the the starter for the 2021 season, and you know we've seen, you know, we we've done the evaluation, and there have been players who have come out anonymously and said, I'm. How have they done the evaluation? Because if you look at what we saw on the field, there were still a lot of questions about Tua. So how do we, you know, why are we doing this? So that could be, you know, a little, little bit of the cracks uh, down there in Miami. I think Brian Flores will handle things well. But uh, quarterback controversies are the one thing that can really upset the apple cart when it comes to these uh, organizations. Yeah, but what's the controversy, though, really, in Miami? That naming him that – that. Uh, uh, naming him the starter at this point without further evaluation is uh, seems to be a little bit of putting the cart before the horse. And I think that, I think that's fair. No, I, I, and it's, and it's strange. The GM came out with that as opposed to Flores. Uh, yeah, I think it was the, I think it was the GM that, that had made that, that had made that comment. Um, somebody in the organization, professor, you know, uh, president this, of football this, or something. This is yeah, just that, a that, weird that, thing that, for that's me not to a hear. Good idea. It's a weird thing for me to hear, but what's the difference between that and somebody coming out and saying the like in the Patriots coming out and saying, "Hey guys, next year Tom Brady's going to be our starting quarterback." It would be odd if the if Scott Pioli would have done that as opposed to Bill Belichick, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's where it's odd for me. It's like, why is the GM chiming in on this? Because well, the, for Sean Watson news. I mean, if, if that's what it was to shut down that rumor. And to quote our good friend Lee Corso, everything you hear from these front offices is bullshit. <laughs> so right. like, I'm not buying I'm not buying a lot of things. And, and I and I honestly think if you have an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson, that that's a discussion you have to have if you're the Miami Dolphins. In my mind, I don't think I, that'll happen. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I, and and but, it looks like Houston, you know, because the one the one way to and this is a long developing story to your point, John. That front office has been a mess for a long time. Yep. But they can cover a lot of sins by bringing in Eric Bieniemy and hiring him. Well, but Eric Bieniemy has Eric Bieniemy has made the point that he wants to find the right situation. He has a great situation in Kansas City. Uh, it, they're going to be good for a while. He's going to be a hot coaching prospect. That front office may be the reason he doesn't choose to take that job. He, he may look at that and go, um, uh, you know, this is not the, the power struggle that's gone on there. And the guy who is like running the running the show there uh, under the owner McNair is is somebody who doesn't have a lot of respect throughout the league and is not considered to be. You know, there are a lot of stories about him being, uh, you know, one of those guys who will sneak in to talk to the owner after decisions have been made. And then unilaterally, he changes the decision because he was the last guy in the room. So we'll see. I want Eric Bieniemy to get a good job. And there are really, really good jobs out there. San Diego, the San Diego job, the best job. And I think it's a perfect place for him. He used to play for them. Um, 
I want him to get a head coaching job, but I want him to get a good job. And I think Houston right now is a flipping it, mess. It, it's interesting. We'll see. We'll see what they, uh, what they do and how they handle everything. Uh, I usually every show we have a little bit of Colin, Colin Cowherd love. Yeah. And, uh, this is our Colin Cowherd love segment coming up. He mentioned uh, the Eagles and how he doesn't think that's a very good job at all, that he thinks the culture in Philadelphia is tweaked. There is something wrong. He made some good they, points. They, they fired They fired their last three coaches after winning seasons. Two of them had gone to a Super Bowl. One of them had won. And not after winning seasons, but after one losing season, right. they let him go. Andy Reid was obviously a perpetual winner, got to the Super Bowl. Even Chip Kelly had two consecutive 10 and six seasons. With yeah, him. he did. And and then had an eight and eight season and was jettisoned. And then obviously, uh, obviously, what's his name? Doug Peterson. <laughs> Brad Doug Johnson. Peterson. Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson. Brad Stokelson. Won, uh, won a Super Bowl. Right. And after one bad year, they jettisoned these guys. Well, and it was a really good point about what's going on in Philadelphia. And, and the quote from Jeffrey Luria, who's the uh, owner, he just doesn't think it's a great job. He, he he said he said he goes he didn't really deserve to be fired, and it's you know well yeah I saw you that. fired him. <laughs> I mean I don't I don't understand that. So yeah, there's there's a little bit of a mess uh, there. There is a little bit of a mess there. Um, I is it I as. It is. It's not. It's not as well documented as the front office mess in Houston, but I would agree that both of those places you have to take a good, long, hard look if that's if you can work with that front office. What kind of power will you going to get? I wasn't aware that Jeffrey Loria was the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, if you think there's a problem in Philadelphia, you had me at Jeffrey Loria. (laughs) Yeah, it's that is right, Mark. That's the owner. It's Jeffrey Loria is 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 the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. Yeah, that's a Lurie Loria. You say tomato. Is it the Montreal Expos owner Jeffrey Loria guy, or is this just? I think it's a different one. Okay, Uh, I think it's a different. I I don't know. Yeah, honestly, I don't things I should know and I don't. Uh, Let's let's get off of this embarrassing no uh, no nothing (laughs) moment and go to progressive trivia, shall we? It is not any Woodson. We determined this. Let's go to uh, the first set of clues. We see those up there. Is it the yeah. Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute? Uh, that's closer. That is okay. Closer. Wow, that's saying something. <laughs> ten times Pro Bowler, plus 175 plus all-purpose yards. Final bowl game played in ten plus playoff games and at least one Super Bowl. Played for five head coaches. My first five years, one head coach. My next five years started over 200 games. First round pick played with Larry Centers and Wes Welker and had over 900 tackles. There it is. Over 900 tackles. All right. So let's see. Any right. guesses? No guesses yet. No Jesus guesses. Mark, Rod Woodson? It is not Rod Woodson or the Woodson. Woodson. It's, not Woodson. Woodson. it's not Daryl Woodson or Darren Woodson. And it's not the Institute John quoted earlier. All right. I want to talk. I want to just give a tiny, throw a tiny bone to the NBA. We're what, about 10 games in the regular season at this point in time, give or take. Give or take. Yeah. Uh, Le- LeBron's shot last night. Did you see this, you guys? I did not, actually. <laughs> uh, I read about it. The Lakers are, you know, they're very good. It's a very good passing team, hmm. uh, as you can imagine, uh, because they've got one of the best passers, if not the best passer in the history of the NBA uh, leading their, their offense. And um, so it's spinning around. You know, and it gets back to him in the corner with the three-pointer. He's wide open. He he takes, I don't know, 10 minutes, aims it. And as he shoots, <laughs> he turns around and looks at his bench. He doesn't even doesn't watch the ball. even goes to the highest arc of the shot. Nice. He has turned around and is looking Beautiful. at it, and it goes right in. And the bench goes nuts. I, love that. I do, too. It's, it's like great. if you can do that kind of theatricality. Damn, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it probably annoys the hell out of LeBron haters too, which is also something. Oh, of course it does. And it's entertainment. And, you know, and and listen, I'm a terrible basketball player and everything, but there's every every now and again, you'll put up a shot and you're like, okay, I know that one. That one fell right. It's going to drop. Now, when you're LeBron, that happens, you know, 999 out of a thousand times. But absolutely, I'm, I'm in favor of that. Good for him. Keep it up. Keep uh, it up. Jeff, as a as a, a non-LeBron fan, will will be as a 
you know, benign as possible in describing you with that way? Does that annoy you? Do you care? Does it matter one way or another to you? No, that makes me like him more. <laughs> all right. That's Good. what, Jeff, you know, for all the disagreement, beef. Jeff, you were always in agreement with, like, you know, let a guy dance after he makes a sack. Absolutely. That's part of the game. Yeah, my beef with LeBron really is that he doesn't do enough of that stuff. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I feel like if he took those shots and and he, my beef with LeBron is that he's a he's a he's a compiler one for for one thing and he doesn't want to be the guy that takes that final shot. He wants someone else to he may make a great pass to that someone else, but he's the guy that wants someone else to take that final dagger. Yeah, I know that's the narrative, but I think I saw a study done by perhaps even Colin Cowherd. Um, that literally said he has taken and made more final, more buzzer beating shots in the playoffs than anyone else in history. Now he's to your point, been in more playoff games than anyone else in history, but that's still saying something that goes a little bit against the narrative out there, which is definitely out there. I'm not arguing with that yeah. at all. That's a thing. Too unselfish. That's that, I mean, there. that has been Woody, uh, Woody, the woodpecker. Again, not- closer than the Institute. Woody from Toy Story? Not neither. What's that? Woody from Toy Story. It's not is Woody. <laughs> just, we're, we're just trying. That's the closest. You're very close. Okay. You're very close with Woody from Toy Story. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So, there's that. I loved that. And then the Slinky other dog, thing is. The Slinky Dog from Toy Story? Uh, no, now you're colder. Buzz Lightyear? Stay with Woody. Okay. Stay, just stay with Woody and 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 dig deep with Woody. And you'll, right. you'll you'll figure it maybe out. I don't know how I don't um, know this. Lenny very disappointed me said I should know this one. So I will say this that um, Woody, there is a connection to Woody and the state this uh, this kid played in and had a great career with. Okay, uh, I believe I believe if I'm not mistaken. All right, so there you go. It's not Erlacher, is it? It is not. It is not. It is not Erlacher, New Mexico. Yeah, I know. And he played strong safety, and he also, I think, he played a little on offense, maybe. So, 175 yards and whatever Poolan Weed Eater Bowl that they ended up playing, and I don't know. That's so. Funny. What's the What's the connection to Woody from Toy Story? And does it take place in New Mexico? The story. No, I thought maybe uh, when you said where he played, I thought maybe you meant where he played in the pros. And I was thinking, I think Illinois is, uh, that's where I always thought. I don't know where, you know, we work with those Pixar people, but we never, you know, talk with them. We just. No, they won't look us in the eye. No. They they won't allow us to look them in the eye. Even No, not at all. (laughs) All right. And then the other thing is these new restrictions for COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA is doing everything they can to kind of button things up. Mm-hmm. We talked, we, we alluded to this a little bit last show, Johnny, they're, they're not allowing the the pre and post games sort of uh, fraternizing as yeah. much. They're, they're highly limiting their hotel uh, interactions and guests within the hotel to two family members or longtime friends, something along those lines. And um, some of the players, one player came out today said, I'm not sure if you're playing and sweating next to someone for 48 minutes, if you say, hello, how are you? How's your family afterwards? That's right. going to make any difference. And well, if it really does make that much of a difference, then why are we even are we playing, playing at all? Yeah, I agree. Here's, but here's the thing here. And here's the answer to that. And I understand that. And that, you know, we've, we've all had questions like that, but it, sure. it's just, um, you know, it, it is not a hundred percent that you catch this every time you're near someone who has it. So if you can limit those times, certainly on the court, you can't. That's what they're there to do. But you can limit the fraternization. So maybe you remove a little bit of that. Sure. Um, so I think I think that's smart. As we talked about, we, we, we gave baseball a lot of credit because there was a time when it looked, when they were in the same position that we're seeing the NBA finding themselves in right now, and they were able to mitigate that. So fingers crossed. Obviously, it benefits me because I'm back tomorrow night for a game um, uh, with the Raptors. Um, I think this, I, I don't think they have any choice while the, while the argument that, oh, how's it going to make any difference? Okay. Maybe it won't, but I think at this point with the money that's on the line and what you're talking about, maybe it won't is not a good argument against it. Because if there is any chance that it keeps some guys on the court and with the Celtics that eight guys who couldn't play anything, then you, you do it. That's what you have to do at this point in my mind. 
No, I understand. You're, they're just uh, erring on the side of caution. And, and, and that's if, where you have to go. You want to get the season in, that's what you have to do. You know, Because the other argument is that people talk about pausing the season, and I just don't think they want to do that. No, I don't think they want to do that either. Uh, so there we go. That's where we have it. And they're doing their best to continue to matriculate through the season, as is college basketball. And there's, you know, a lot of issues there. And, I mean, it's just the new normal. That's the thing. It's just the new normal. Canceled games are the new normal. Yeah. And players not being available, that's just how it goes. And we just move on. And, yeah. I mean, I think that's the best of all possible worlds at this time. We're finding a way to work through Absolutely. the pandemic, not avoid it, and not be irresponsible in the face of it. It's yeah. it's the best and if that means you just err on the side of cautions with additional protocols, that's what that means. And yeah. I understand the reaction to it, certainly. Uh, logically, some of those things don't seem to make sense. But uh, I agree with you with that. Anything right. that can mitigate the spread a little bit at this point for exactly. the NBA, they're going to do, and it's what they have to do, really. And especially with, you know, what was it, four th- over 4,000, something like that yesterday. It's yeah. just – it's getting just – ridiculous the numbers out there it's 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 twice as it's twice as bad in terms of deaths than it was when we were scared out of our minds in april last year and we knew that just cold weather was going to be a problem and people getting together Um, for the holidays were were going to be a problem and uh and we'll see i you know i'm i'm hopeful that the nba again the good the one thing the nba has going for it is that their bubble situation worked out very, very well. And they overcame the couple of problems that they had where people were breaking protocol. And I think we all on the show just kept saying, if it's about somebody breaking protocol, that's something you can address. If everybody's following protocol and you're continuing to have these problems, now you have to sit down and discuss whether or not moving forward is a possibility. But they have that. They also have baseball. What football has been able to do, college football has obviously been the most problematic. College basketball, we knew that would be the case given what, sure. what they, they were dealing with. But uh, I think Adam Silver's a bright guy. And, you know, the players can, you know, bitch and moan all they want, but they're going to be unhappy if you have to pause the season as well. So exactly. They are. It's going to be interesting. Uh, they about the Super Bowl. I have read that there are some advertisers just not, not wanting to do it this time around because <laughs> it's just not necessarily as profitable for them or as smart to do it because maybe there won't be as many parties. There won't be bars showing it. There's all that, you know, all that, or, or maybe there will be, you know, that's our next national holiday after Christmas is Super Bowl Sunday. So maybe that's what we have to worry about there. Steve Carriker uh, on fire, on fire. Woody Tiberius Huckleberry Boyd from Cheers. Not Woody, Woody from Cheers. Wow. He is on fire. There's no doubt about it. It is not Woody from Cheers, but, but stay with Woody drill down, on a connection between Woody and the state this guy played in at his college football. Okay. Ohio State. Who came out of Ohio State that was uh oh wait, do we inside the state? So hmm. why why do you say Ohio State? Where's the connection Woody, there? Woody Hayes. Woody, Woody Hayes. Ah. No, I'm talking about Woody, the character from Toy Story. All Woody right. the character. Oh, from Toy Story. Wow. Drill down on that. Everything about that 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 entity. All right. Okay. Because now I'm thinking Tom Hanks, who's from Oakland. Tom Hanks is from Oakland. Or maybe a movie Tom Hanks was in. Okay. Seattle. Very famous. Philadelphia. That's one, one too. Where else was a a very famously shot movie? When it's very famous where where it was shot. Is it someone from Normandy? There's there's good Normandy, Normandy tech. He was in big with the place in New York City. I mean, he's been in a movie that has been in every city. This right. isn't even well, this was too. a very famous movie, very famous for him, and it was very famously filmed in a in a very famous city that's in this state. The Money Pit. <laughs> the man with one red shoe. No, let's go back. Let's go to the next set of clues, <laughs> shall we? Ten times plus Pro Bowler at 135 plus all-purpose yards. This is actually more fun than actual progressive trivia. Yeah, it really Played is. Played in 10 plus playoff games and at least one Super Bowl. Played for five head coaches in my first five years. One head coach in my next five years. I love that clue. Started over 200 games. That's a lot. First round pick. Played with Larry Center as Wes Welker. Had over 900 tackles. Played for 15 years with two teams. Hall of Famer. Went to a school in the SEC. Led the league in interceptions one year. Oh, boy. Oh boy, very famous Tom Hanks movie. Filmed in this very very famously filmed in this city, in this state. And you know now it's an SEC school. So 
I'm just, yeah, I'm not. And people you are, just, yeah. I don't know. I just, I've, I've checked out a progressive trivia. Got to be. You have, uh, go yeah. ahead, Lenny. Go ahead, Lenny has asked. Lenny has asked, can he give John a clue? All he right. Has, he's so sweet asking permission. Most people would just do it. They, it's just what the Wild West on the comments here. Yeah, Peach Bowl. That's where he, 175 yard plus. That I, it used to be in the clues that he got that 175 plus yards total scrimmage uh, in the mm-hmm. Peach Bowl. I took, I took the Peach Bowl out knowing that John, would dis- it's not helping me. Would distill it. Okay. It's not helping me. I like it. I like it a lot. It really All right. isn't. Uh, it, I, I, it, I, it's funny. I've now nailed down the Tom Hanks movie, and I've nailed down the school he went to. I just can't, for the life of me, remember his name. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the Tom Hanks movie yeah. is? Jeff Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Nice. Nice. Very good. It happened in Georgia. So it's a University Correct. of Georgia player. He's a Correct. DB. He's extremely Correct. famous. He played Hall for the, the Denver Broncos and then yes. the Washington football team. I just yes. can't remember his name. Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. I should have. Could. Damn it. Damn it. And we don't talk about I mean, uh, it's Washington and and the SEC. Hey, I, I, I gotta say, um, if there's I, I anybody up in Georgia, though. He went, went to Alabama. He played football at Alabama. Savannah. It Savannah. It, oh, oh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yes, whatever. I don't think. Very good movie. Um, it's fine. It's film. very It's fine. It's a blatant no. ripoff of Little Big Man. It's a blatant ripoff of Little Big Man. It is a little bit, yeah. Which is a great movie. Which is a great movie. No doubt. It is, it is a good movie. There's no doubt about it. Little Big Man's pretty solid. Uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> let's talk film. about Friday. Leading yeah. up to our divisional games, which are going to be a lot of fun. We've got Baltimore at Buffalo. We've got uh, the, the the Browns at the Chiefs. That's mm-hmm. just so much fun. Yeah, we've got good. the Rams at the Packers, and we've got the Bucks at the Saints. Those are four fun games. Yeah. Uh, we've got Derek Abbott for us on Friday. Beautiful. Derek's asking what time. So let's d- determine the time right now. He's He said any time works for him on Friday. Do we want to do an early show? On Friday, we want to knock it out at ten. Why don't we? Why don't we do that? Why don't we have a ten o'clock show uh, Friday morning? Uh, Jeff, are you available at ten? I know you weren't today. Is do you have the same issues? As of, as of right now, I am, but uh, I'm fluid these days, so I'll, I'll let you know. Luckily for you guys, though, I'm only necessary on the back end, so we'll make <laughs> it happen regardless. Yeah, and I have uh, all I have uh, that day is I have COVID testing, and uh, I usually leave the house about two thirty because that starts at four. So, so. let's do a ten. Let's all right, ten a.m. Show joined by Derek Abbott. We're going to preview all four divisional matchups. It's going to be a great, great time. We're going to break it down. We're going to get uh, we're going to get maybe a little post mortem from Derek on the wild card weekend, super wild card weekend is what they're calling it. And, um, you know, get get maybe maybe there's there will be still a little bitterness left over from the Pittsburgh game. And so we should get some fun comments. He's from he's, the got, young. he's got some issues with defensive calls. He's got some issues with some defensive calls. Certainly young Mr. Abbott joins us on Friday. It should be a lot of fun. That does it for us. Anything else, Johnny, Jeff, anything else before we wrap this baby up? Uh, go Raptors. Go Raptors. Boom. That's the last word here for After Further Review. For Jeff, for John, I'm Mark. We will talk to you with Derek Abbott on Friday. Stay safe. Oddly, there were several words after the last word. (laughs) That was just the wrap-up, though. It was just the close. (laughs) 